listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. to you from the Whitney City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Whitney City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome to our landmark 200th episode Mance Warner became the latest in the line of Jim Lynham tournament winners at AAW. Jimmy Blaze wrestled his final matches for POW Entertainment. Rocket Pro Wrestling presented a wildly entertaining show. And special correspondent Tony Gabagool of the lovely Intoxicated Men will join us to recap that event. Plus, we welcome an extra special guest a man whose wrestling career goes back over three decades to Windy City Wrestling, Mike Anthony. You'll get all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. It's your boy, FTC, Frank the Clown here, and you are listening or doing something with your ears to the Windy City Slam Podcast. Frank the Clown's been a guest a couple of times. Will I be a guest again? Oh, I don't know. Get the check ready, Mike. (laughs) Attention! Windy City Slam is looking for a few good tag team partners to advertise on Windy City Slam Podcast and WindyCitySlam.com. Get your product or service notice with pro wrestling fans. Affordable rates that fit your budget. Message us on Facebook, X, or Instagram, or email Mike Pankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. Hey, this is Trevor Outlaw, but you bozos can address me as you are rudely, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast, and you can check it out every Tuesday. Oh, wait, I've been on this like five times. I should know this by now. Either way, not getting paid enough for this. Windy City Slam podcast. Check it out on Tuesdays, and you never know when Trevor Outlaw is going to be back. Back here on Windy City Slam podcast, and I just want to take a moment to reflect on the fact that This podcast has reached 200 episodes in just under four years. So happy and excited to reach this milestone and privileged to cover the Chicagoland and the Chicago region's independent wrestling scene in addition to everything else like WWE and AEW and Impact Wrestling and stuff like that. It's been a lot of fun and some of my favorite guests over the years include Trevor Outlaw, Frank the Clown, Val Capone, Missa Kate, Scott Spade, Backwoods Brown, the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels, Storm Grayson, Vic Capri, and Project Monix. And we've even had names such as Gallows and Anderson, Zach Gowan, Maven, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion EC3, Jay Bradley, Marche Rocket, Sam Adonis, Brian Pillman Jr., now known as Lexus King, Dirty Dango, formerly known as Fandango, and the legendary Perfect Ten Baby Doll. And special thanks to Chaz Moretti for helping arrange that interview with Baby Doll. And it's been an amazing run. And people, I mean, I have so many people to thank. And 
I'll probably do that during my four-year anniversary show next month when we hit late January. Now, moving on to local professional wrestling. This past Friday night, December the 1st, AAW Pro presented the Jim Lynham Memorial Tournament at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And kind of a unique format this year for the tournament since it was only one night. And it was four first-round matches leading into a four-way final. So there were three four-way matches in the first round and a one-one-on-one affair. And Robert Ego Anthony defeats Hartenbauer, Isaiah Moore, and Conan Lycan in the first four-way. And then we had Mance Warner defeating Silas Young, Uncle T, Solomon Tupu, and Xavier Walker. Big Beef Gnarls Garvin won his four-way over Jake Something, Calvin Tankman, and Joe Alonzo. And in the final first-round match, the one-on-one affair, we had one called Manders defeating Masha Slamovich. For the AAW Tag Team Championship, the imposing duo of Russ Jones and Schaff defeat the outrunners of Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd to retain the titles. And then we had the AAW Women's Championship in an open challenge. Sierra defeats Shaza McKenzie to retain there. And for the AAW Heavyweight Championship, Davey Vega with John Capital E period Bravo pinning Ren Jones after Bravo family member Hartenbauer speared Jones behind the referee's back to retain that title. And then in the Jim Lina Memorial Tournament final, it was Mance Warner defeating Robert Eagle Anthony, Norrell's Garvin, and one called Manders in an elimination match to become the 2023 Jim Lina Memorial Tournament winner as Mance Warner pins Robert Ego Anthony in the final two following two running knee strikes. And now Mance Warner faces Davey Vega for the AAW Championship on December 30th at the Windy City Classic back at the Berwyn Eagles Club. And now we're going to move on to this past Saturday night, December the 2nd, Rocket Pro Wrestling presented Christmas Chaos at St. Joe's Park in Joliet. And once again for the second straight month, we're going to bring in special correspondent. He is part of the lovely intoxicated men, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Gabagool. Tony, how you doing? How you doing, sir? What's the good word? I'm pleasured to be back here again two months in a row. Mike Pankow, you are a legend. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I know it's a big weekend for the lovely intoxicated men as your buddy, mm-hmm. your friend, your top guy. PX, Pac-Man, Pat Ackerman, no, no matter how you call him, no matter what his name is, what his nickname is, he was in the ring in a six-man tag team match. We're going to talk about all that and a whole lot more. So let's get it going with Christmas Chaos. Christmas Chaos, all right. Jingle bells were ringing and chairs were swinging. Yes, the place was chaotic. Let me tell you all about it, Mike. The show started off with a segment from none other than Gunner Brave. Now, Mr. Brave came out to inform the crowd that, unfortunately, he was not cleared for action tonight. He suffered a wrist injury at uh, Harvest Havoc last month. He did let the fans know that when the right time comes, he's going to cash in that Rocket to the Top briefcase, and he will go on to face. We'll figure out. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. And while he was talking about that, none other than Shaq Jordan came out to the ring. Shaq came out, shook Gunner's hand, and Gunner wished him luck in his match that'll come later on the card. Gunner did hint, he said, Mr. Jordan, if you're to win that RPW Heavyweight Championship, I might be cashing in on you. 
Now, can you imagine, Mike, those two going at it? That would be an unbelievably awesome athletic match. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for front row for that match. That's that's definitely worth $20. So then we move on. We had our first match of the night. We had Lennox Leone making his first appearance in Rocket Pro Wrestling, and he took on the master of the Chicago Bear Hug, Steve Michaels. Now, have you seen uh, Lennox Leone fight yet? Not in person, but only on video. He looks good, right? Mm-hmm. I, He's a pretty buff dude, yep. I, I, yeah, I liked what I saw. Get this. This match was less than five minutes long. Poor Lennox found himself victim to the Chicago bear hug from Steve McMichaels. Steve Michaels, sorry. Steve Michaels. Don't put me in a bear hug, sir, please. I, I, I can't go back to the chiropractor. So uh, Michaels wins in under five minutes via the submission. He's been on a terror lately. This guy's running through opponents left and right. What's next for him? We'll find out. Second match of the night, we had Damian Deschain versus Devin August. Now, Devin August, part of the undeniable, he comes out with Jay Beck the bounce check, and he's walking around the ring spreading his undeniable propaganda. And you know what? I think Santa needs to put this guy on the naughty list because he's been really bad this year. Damian Deshane wins this match via submission. All in all, a great match. Two young competitors duking it out in the ring. Uh, we love watching those two guys work. In the third match, we had the suburban German, Joseph Von Jaeger, against the real deal, Rion Skills, who is the intercontinent, intercounty champion. I always do that. Always trips me up. I want to call him the intercontinental champion, but he's the intercounty champion. Now, this was a rematch from last month. If you remember me talking about uh, how physical the prior match was, this match went the other direction. Joseph Von Jaeger started off the match by doing a front flip out of the ring before Rion could even get into the ring. Joseph Von Jaeger loved the kid. He's doing amazing things in that ring. He picked Rion up for a slam at the end of the match. And hark, the Herald Angels sing glory to our new intercounty nine. I did it again. Intercounty champion, Joseph Von Jaeger. Congrats to this young man. He was able to pick up the win against Rion. We look forward to seeing his career. He'll have a long career in professional wrestling. So keep up the good work, kid. Now, as for my childhood hero, Rion Skills, he was laid out in the ring still. He was trying to get up. He, he took a beating from JBJ. The Undeniable come out, and they start to attack him. And it was like they took him out the pasture, like old Yeller. It was so sad. I, tears were coming down my eye. Damien Saint says on the microphone, dinosaurs go extinct. Just does not a good outlook for my childhood hero, Rion Skills. Following that match, we had a promo. Now, last month you heard me talk a little about the, the drama between Ryan Matthews and Maximus Orion, who goes by Sling Blade. A lot of Fortnite drama going on. They played another promo. Things are building between these guys, and something needs to happen. So Shelly came down to the ring, and she announced in the Shelly Cho- Shelly's Choice match that Ryan Matthews would be facing Maximus Orion in an inflatable suit match. Now, can you imagine that? Two guys in an inflatable apparatus. Okay, this match symbolized what's going on in the United States right now. You know what that is? Inflation, okay? And they were (laughs) able to bounce back. And Maximus was able to bounce back. He won two out of three falls in this match. 
this was interesting. I might get these for uh, my kid's birthday party down the line. <laughs> Just bouncing back and forth all around the ring. Now, in the fourth match of the night, we had the Miracle on 30, 34th Street. Uh, it was a street fight match. This was originally advertised as the Lights Out match. But what we ended up getting was a very festive street fight. Okay. Now, this was between the Wicked Side Brooks Burner versus Old Evil Christian Rose. Mm -hmm. They had different weapons that were wrapped in presents scattered throughout the ring. Really cool. Really unique. I know some of the fans, we were we were kind of curious, what even is a 34th Street Fight match? Okay, how, how does that work? So what these gentlemen would do, they had presents that were addressed to one another. They'd open them up. We saw some stop signs. We saw some garbage cans and garbage can lids. Chair, we saw Brooks Burner's water bottle, which was taken down from the ceiling, unfortunately. <laughs> R.I.P. water bottle, you had a good run. Ultimately, Brooks Burner gets put through a table. And then old evil Christian Rose puts him in a Boston crab and he wins via submission. Now, Brooks Burner, piece of advice to you, pal. Next time you get put in the Boston crab, bring some old bay seasoning. All right, because old bay seasoning, <laughs> that's the best thing you can do for some crab, okay? We had intermission next, and when we came back from intermission, we had the state of RPW address with Shelly. Now, Damien Saint was ordered to appear for this state of the RPW address. Shelly really gave it to him, okay? Damien Saint, you're letting some things fall through the cracks, okay? Like, for instance... When he put PX into a match last month, is he crazy or what? So, yeah. Shelly, right? I mean, the, the guy's not trained. We'll get to that. It's coming in a couple matches. So, Shelly announces that Damian Saint will have a co-general manager. So, he's going to have to share his duties with someone else. Now, that person at this time is unknown, but Mr. Joey Roth did uh, his music hits. He comes down to the ring. And Roxy Hart sneaks through the back of the ring and attacks Shelly from behind. Shelly's laid out. We're seeing some drama like we saw last year. Now, you were there for that battle between them. Yep. I don't know if Roxy and Joey can't get over it. They're trying to bring up the past, but that's what it's looking like. So Steve Arendt, he comes to the ring to Shelly's aid, scared off Roxy and Joey. All the while, Damien Saint is irate. Now, Mike, I don't know about you, but for what he has done some questionable things in Rocket Pro Wrestling. But if we look back to last season and the beginning of this season, he had nine standing room only shows. I think that says a lot about this guy as a general manager. So, Shelly, if you're listening, take that into account. Now, for match five, this was the greatest gift of Christmas, right? We had for the Outer Limits Championship, the champion, Wild Child, Connor Hopkins, taking on Hartenbauer. Now, this was my first time seeing Hartenbauer wrestle in person. I was very impressed. And I'm always impressed by Connor Hopkins. These two guys went to war. Connor Hopkins wins via pinfall to retain his Outer Limits Championship. Uh, rivalry that's kind of gone back quite a few years in multiple promotions and these guys knew each other in and out so i'm not surprised that this was a classic type match absolutely i think 
Others were saying the next match I'll get to that that was match of the night. For me, Hopkins match again. I think I said it last month, too. He had match of the night. Anytime I see this kid work, it's match of the night. Then you throw Hartenbauer in there. Oh, my God. Two professionals. So I will go and uh, do you have any recommendations for, for previous matches or should I just do a YouTube search and check it out? I mean, probably YouTube for them. Yeah, I know AA, uh, Hartenbauer is a big part of AAW now. Hartenbauer and Hopkins are both big parts of Dreamwave as well. And they actually, I think they've kind of clashed over there. And they've also clashed in Zawa Live. I mean, if you could YouTube some of that. I mean, also Dreamwave is available on IWTV.live. If you subscribe to that, some of their old matches might show up on there as well. Perfect. I will be on the lookout for that. Match number six was a triple threat match. For the Rocket Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. This was between Shaq Jordan versus Sexy Violence, Quinn Whittock, versus the champion, Dreambreaker Aaron Stone. These three men went to war, and we'd expect nothing less from them. At one point in the match, we seen now the LIM guys were calling Shaq Jordan the light slayer, okay, because he's been known to take out a light or two. <laughs> we seen him come off the top rope. And land on Quinn. That must have hurt so bad. Just the facial expression on Quinn. And, you know, Shaq can get to that height that's just unbelievable. you got to think of the momentum that's coming down. Now, ultimately, the Dream Breaker was able to break a couple of dreams of these other two guys. He was able to retain his championship. There was like a, I thought they were like a gang of elves that came out. All right. But they were actually the undeniable. They came out and attacked Aaron Stone. They're just jealous that they didn't win the championship. They they want to be Aaron Stone. So what do they do? They attack him. Maximus Orion came out. He intervened. You know, got the undeniable off of Aaron Stone. And we find out, this is a match for next month, Aaron Stone versus Maximus Orion for the RPW Heavyweight Championship. That'll be at Resolution, which is interesting. Wow. Will we see Gunner Brave show up? And cash that briefcase in, make it a triple threat. I don't know, Mike. We got to be there to find out. Yeah. Match number seven. This match was very important to the LIM. This was the no disqualification six-man tag team match. This was the fabulous idols of Joey Roth, Damian Gray, and Kevin Cade taking on rock star Johnny Nye, the legend, the icon, C-Red, and my dear friend, who was making his debut, PX. Now, there was a lot of emotion from us watching our best friend, who I've known him for 20-plus years. We would wrestle in the backyard, and now I'm looking across the guardrail, and he's standing there in the ring. Tears were shed. He hit Kevin Cade with a stunner at one point, which was beautiful. I know PX is a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, so he's had his whole life to prepare for that moment. I actually saw that video. That was pretty cool. It was awesome. I mean, we totally popped for him. PX also hit a rock bottom. He did really well with that, too. He threw up the L-I-M signal as he uh, right before he hit the elbow. The team of PX, Rockstar Johnny Nye, and C-Red, they win via pinfall. And uh, PX is 1-0. Now, something major did happen in this match. The father of the LIM, our dad. Do you know who our dad is? Have you heard? Isn't Flash Harris the father of the LIM? Oh, yeah. He's the lovely, intoxicated <laughs> daddy. He did show up in the middle of this match. 
And we've been looking for our dad for months. I said, dad, you got to teach me how to throw a football. You never taught me dad. Can you teach me how to balance my checkbook? I don't know what I'm doing. He, he, but so he finally showed up and we were thrilled, but we didn't know what he was going to do. He was kind of paired up with Damian Gray and they had PX there and it looked like Gray was going to hit him with the bat. And then all of a sudden flash comes out flash to the rescue. Okay. Savior of the universe, savior of the LIM flash turns on the idols and it looks like flash might be hanging out with his sons over here in the LIM as we move <laughs> forward. So all in all, an awesome match. I loved watching my buddy in the ring and to watch C rad work. The guy's a legend. I've been watching him for years. I used to watch him at Windy City Pro Wrestling back in the day. And uh, rock star Johnny Nye. I love seeing him back in the ring. So all in all, terrific match. Flash Harris turning against the Idols. It seems like every four to six months or so, the <laughs> Idols lose members. Gunner Brave first, then Rockstar Johnny Nye, and now Flash Harris. And Joey Roth is absolutely worked into a tizzy on social media, and <laughs> he's extremely upset. I guess we're going to find out soon how he feels about all this stuff. So stay tuned, as they say in the business. But yeah, the Fabulous Idols aren't so fabulous right now. What, what do you think? Is it a toxic workplace? Is that what it is? Uh, I I think so. I mean, I don't know if anybody likes to uh, work with Joey or Damian Gray for that matter. So maybe Kevin Kate will be next in a few months. Yeah, we'll 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 be we'll be watching. That'll be interesting if if he turns. I uh I think the guy's got the look, but he's hanging out with the wrong crowd. So following this match, I told you last month how Sean Danger came out at one point. He was passing out old styles. <laughs> well, he did it again, and and again, this is. A giving time of the year, right? Thanksgiving's a giving time. Christmas, it's all about spreading joy, spreading cheer, and even more importantly, spreading beer. Old style beer, to be exact. Now, Sean was almost to the LIM section. We were holding out our cups. We're like, please, Sean, I need another beer. I need another beer. And the Grinch, Damien Saint, comes out, and he stole our old style away. Kicks Sean Danger out to the back. And following that, we get to the main event of the night. This is the main event, which was a tag team match for the Rocket Pro Wrestling Tag Team Championships. On one side of the ring, we have the Dark Carnival. And the Dark Carnival consists of the Barker, Cody James, and his tag team partner, who is the giant from the Midwest, none other than Cypher. What a menacing that guy that is. Uh, this was my first time seeing Cypher in action in the ring. I have saw some of his matches from CSW online. Very impressed with the guy. Also, Cody James. Love what he's doing with Magic Inc. The guy, just amazing to watch him work. They took on our tag team champions, which is the final level. That's Shogun, Chris Logan, and all day, Marche Rocket. Now, this match, there's a reason why this was the main event. I could watch these guys work all night. I could watch these guys work every day. Just huge move after huge move. We saw Cypher hit his finisher, which is similar to the Black Hole Slam. These four guys, when you see them after the show and they're standing next to just regular fans, they're huge. They tower over you. Mm -hmm. So to see them go for as long as they did in this match, and barely break a sweat and barely be out of breath. It just goes to show what kind of professionals they are. Now, the winners of this match was the final level. They retained their championship, and they will go on next month 
to to fight Pauly Tomaselli, and there was a change made to that match, which mm-hmm. I'll let your listeners know. Originally, it was supposed to be Pauly Tomaselli and Hardcore Craig, but it looks like now we're going to have the human highlight reel, who is Acid. Mm-hmm. He will be teaming with Pauly Tomaselli, and they will be taking on the final level at Resolution, which is January 6th. Now, that's some crazy amounts of experience between those four guys there. I mean, on one side, you got Marche and Shogun, who've been probably like about 40 years in the business. And on the other side, you got about 45 or so years in the business <laughs> between Paulie Tomaselli and Acid. Acid goes all the way back to the Lunatic Wrestling Federation. Yeah. So I caught up on some of his matches today. I wanted to be prepared to talk about him. I watched the match on YouTube. It was Acid versus Mr. 450. I'm excited for next month. And and Mike, I want to challenge your listeners. I want their New Year's resolution to be that they're going to come to resolution on January 6th. Doors open at 4 p.m. Bell time is 5. And this all goes down every month at St. Joe's Park in Joliet. And you can hang out with the lovely intoxicated men like Tony Gabagool and Mr. 1-0, PX, Pat Ackerman. That's the guy to be around. I mean, he's my, uh, I got to say it, PX is my adulthood hero. What a guy. <laughs> All right, Tony Gabagool, uh, where can we find you in social media? You can find us. Uh, we are the lovely intoxicated men on Facebook. If you're on Instagram, we go under the name We Are The Limb. Uh, we're also on TikTok, Twitter, which is uh, now it's called X. So uh, we're out there. We're putting content out all the time. We also have a podcast that comes out about twice a month when we're uh, that's that's typically how many episodes we're coming out. That's the lovely intoxicated podcast. So hey, just search us up. You could probably easiest way find us on Facebook, the lovely intoxicated men. And we have all of our links on there. Yeah, Tony, one more question before you before yes, sir. go. How's the gravy today? Oh, it's a it's good Sunday sauce. All right. I got it stewing upstairs. I got my little son, baby LaGreca. That was the first thing I taught. Before he could learn how to walk, I taught him how to stir the Sunday sauce. Okay. And it is gravy. I want to set the record straight. It is gravy, but I make it on Sunday. So gravy's good. Gravy's great. Thank you for asking. All right, also Saturday night, December the 2nd, POW Entertainment presented Rage Reaction at the American Legion in Fox Lake. And special thanks to Jimmy Blaze for helping me out and and filling me in on these results. And we start off with the Zebra Kid Memorial Battle Royal, and Jimmy Blaze comes out victorious there. The one-on-one match between GQ and Will Emery ended in a no contest. In tag team action... This was a little bit of a shocker here as Style and Shane Eaton and Jay Scutt defeat the twosome of Tiny and Axel Abrao when Tiny turns on Axel to join Scutt and Eaton. Wow. And then we had Hunter Payne knocking off Jamie Race, and after the match, Race shook Hunter's hand. For the POW Tag Team Championship, the Irish Bob Army, IPA, defeat the Brothers of Funstruction to regain those championships. And then, during the hot seat with Nick H., Chris Hedford, the manager of The Reckoning, attacking his own father, Nick H. Crazy stuff right there. And then, we had Moondog Murray defeating Mateo Valentine by disqualification. And in a tag team match, we had Chris Cairo and Sose defeating 
Terry Allen and Erica. And for the POW Heavyweight Championship in a four-way street fight, congratulations to the new champion, Kazile, who knocks off Jimmy Blaze, Eric Freedom, and Mason Perks as Kazile pins Blaze to become the new champion. And this was the final match for both Jimmy Blaze and Eric Freedom in POW Entertainment. And Kazal comes out victorious here. Kazal, a little bit behind the scenes here, is the son of the legendary Trevor Blanchard. And he wins the POW Entertainment Heavyweight Championship for the first time. He's a former POW Midwest champion. Kind of a cool character. Think, you know, Raven. Think, you know, crazy hardcore guys in the past. And it's going to be an interesting run for Kazal. And... Real quick about Jimmy Blaze and Eric Freedom. Congratulations to both of them on great, fruitful careers. Obviously, Jimmy's still going to be around as the promoter for POW Entertainment, teaching the POW Entertainment School. So Jimmy Blaze is still going to have his hands very deep into POW Entertainment. He just won't be in the ring anymore. And if you want one more chance to see Jimmy and Eric in action, And if you want to take a car trip out to Cadillac, Michigan, you certainly can do that. This weekend, they're going to be up at UWE in their final tag team match together as the Revolution. And the next POW show is January 6th, back in Fox Lake, with new POW champion Kazile. Acid Jazz defending the POW Midwest Championship in a three-way match versus GQ and Axel Rico. They'll have Mason Perks versus Mateo Valentine. Maggie Lee going up against Shelly the Bombshell, and much more. Also Saturday night, December the 2nd, GLCW presented its annual Blizzard Brawl show up in Waukesha. In the pre-show match, Ragnar the Ruthless defeats the Jay Bundles. And on the main card, the Fatal 4-Way match shows TW3 defeating Jordan Cross, Luke Curtis, and Joe Alonzo. And a big win for Drew Hernandez, who defeats former WWE star Heath. And then Shotgun Tony Gunn defeated Fodder in tag team action, CBS 58 Milwaukee's Mark Kirkhoff, and OVW star Cashflow defeat the team of Coda Jacobs and Jay De Niro. For the GLCW Heavyweight Championship, and a bit of a shock to this observer, Sean Spears, with his wife Cassie Lee in his corner, knocks off Backwoods Brown with Sandra D and Josh Ashcraft in his corner to become the new GLCW champion, ending Backwoods' reign at 1,415 days, just short of four years. Amazing run by Backwoods Brown, and now Sean Spears holds that championship. And then we had Cal Hero defeating Doug Basham via disqualification. Triple threat match for the GLCW Women's Championship with special guest referee Alicia Fox. Layla Gray retains the title by defeating Renee Michelle and Harley Jane. And in a title versus title match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the Premier Streaming Network Men's Championship, EC3 defeats Matt Cardona to walk out with both titles. Coming up this weekend, Friday night, December the 8th, Dreamwave Wrestling presents Uprising, an all-women show at the Knights of Columbus in LaSalle. 
show is sold out, but you can check it out on IWTV, featuring Dreamwave Women's Champion Brittany Brooks defending against Masha Slamovich. And on Saturday, Dreamwave has a busy day as well. First, we have the What Are We Even Doing podcast live with those damn coyotes at the Knights of Columbus at 1 o'clock. And then later on in the evening, Dreamwave Wrestling presents Good as Gold back at the Knights of Columbus, 6 p.m. bell. Again, sold out. You can catch it on IWTV.live. But check out Dreamwave's Facebook page because there are still some meet and greets that fans who don't have tickets to the main show can actually purchase. And those meet and greets include the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Emery Sakura, El Hijo del Vikingo, and Mio Yamashita. And on that Good As Gold show, they'll have their Gauntlet Battle Royal in addition to the Dreamwave Championship as Old Evil Christian Rose defends against Hartenbauer. And if you missed a recent episode with Hartenbauer, you can check that out in the Windy City Slam archives. Also Saturday night, December the 9th, we have All-Star Lucha Libre presenting their Lucha Toy Drive in Berwyn. WCPW presents Come All Ye Faithful at the Sycamore Park District. Bruce City Wrestling presents the Jingle Bells Bash at the Elks Lodge in Waukesha. And also Saturday night, December the 9th, we have Freelance Wrestling's Three Counts at Freelance at the Logan Square Auditorium on the northwest side of Chicago. And for the Freelance World Championship, Storm Grayson defends against Sandra Moon. For the Freelance Underground Championship, Iron Demon Shane Mercer with James Russo defends against everybody's favorite father, Dan the Dad. For the Freelance Legacy title, Darren Corbin defends against everybody's friend, Chico Suave. IWTV Tag Team titles are on the line as Miracle Generation defend against Bang and Matthews. In a grudge match, we have GPA facing Alley Catch. In a match between two really rising stars, the red-hot Coda Hernandez takes on Coco Lane. And in the scramble match, we have Danny B versus Alfonso Gonzalez versus Laney versus Wind Dragon versus Rachel Armstrong versus the one-man dynasty, Darius Luttrell. And then Sunday, December the 10th, we have Lucha Libre Total at the Burren Eagles Club. And then Sunday the 10th, Second Wrestling presents Second in Command at the Bernard Wenger JCC in Northbrook. And this features Second Wrestling Championship on the line as Missa Kate with Aries Creed defending against Billy Starks. And then Eric Cannon squares off against Trevor Outlaw. And also advertised for this show, the exciting Jack Cartwheel, Jackson Stampede Larkin, and Jason Midas. Darren Corbin, Heather Monroe, David Ali, Sean Logan, Free Range Kara, Badger Briggs, Gal Barkai, in addition to the special meet and greet with former WWE and NWA star, one half of the powers of pain, Warlord. Also Sunday night, December the 10th, Return of the Super Wrestlers comes to Concord Music Hall in Chicago, 7 p.m. bell, this show features the prize holder, Shogun, and a man-overboard match with the porch pirate Rad Blackbeard taking on Vlad Blatter, Teen Vampire. And then, 
There's the pubic moose and the hot potato challenge. Billy Wack and CM Venom sure have some interesting stuff in store for everybody over at Return of the Super Wrestlers. All right, coming up next, we welcome Windy City Wrestling legend, Mike Anthony. Stay tuned. My name is Storm Grayson. I'm your freelance wrestling world champion, and you're listening to the Windy City Slam podcast. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam Podcast, and for our 200th episode, we welcome an extra special guest, a man whose wrestling career goes back over three decades to Windy City Wrestling, and recently he's returned to work for All-Star Lucha Libre, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Anthony. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm doing great, Mike. Glad to have you on the program. Uh, finally, I'm glad to finally be on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Joliet guy like I am now. You were born and raised here. I, I'm a transplant from the city, but it's kind of cool to have you on to connect here. Oh, yeah. Nice talk to somebody from home. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Now, Windy City Wrestling. Now, many guys our age who grew up in the Chicagoland area remember Windy City as the first independent fed they saw. And you go way back to, like, the early 90s with them. So let's go rewind it a little bit. Start to when you began wrestling. You started wrestling at the Peter Claver Center in the heart of Joliet at four years old, correct? Yes, I did. I had uh, I was raised by my grandparents, and I had five uncles that wrestled, and my grandfather also wrestled. So my uncle, I had, I was young enough to where I had two of my uncles still living at home. So I was the beat up dummy when they got home from practice. So then eventually, I just moved into it and loved it, and I just kept on doing it. And then you grew into it even more, and then you were part of Joliet Central High School's 1985 state championship team in uh, team wrestling. So that was pretty awesome. Well, yeah, we were the first team to, to win the state championship. That was the first year they had a team state championship. And that was a 145-pounder at that one, believe it or not. Okay, yeah. In fact, I was doing a little bit of research last night, and I saw there's actual footage on YouTube of your team's uh, performance from that year, which is really kind of crazy. Oh, I didn't even know that. Thanks yep. for telling me. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Yep. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, go ahead and put Joliet Central 1985 State Championship Wrestling, and it'll pull up some of that footage. Oh, uh, nice. I'll look up that, look that up later. <laughs> now, so what led you to become a pro wrestler, and what pushed you toward Windy City Wrestling? All right, this is crazy. My family, when I was little, we always used to go to the pro wrestling matches at the amphitheater. And when I was nine years old, they had a show at uh, – at the at Comiskey Park, Old Comiskey Park. And the main event was Vern Gagne against Billy Robbins. I went there, I seen them, and it was such a technical match. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, I was like, they're doing the stuff that I do, you know, as a kid and, you know, in the amateurs. I'm like, they're doing all these moves that I, could, I do, and uh, this and that, whatever. And then I was just sitting there watching it, and I was like, this is what I'm going to be when I get big. So from nine years old, that's what I wanted to be. And then I went to, I, met, I used to work out, there was a, there used to be a gym here in Joliet called Rizal's. 
It used to be behind the old, uh, right in front of Walmart, actually, right behind the old Long John Silvers. Oh, okay. It's called Brazil Gym. And Stormy Granzig was a pro wrestler. He wrestled with Sam DeCero. And he trained me a little bit. And then he sent me to, he sent me to Wisconsin for a tournament. It was a fans convention tournament. I went there and I won the Midwest division there. And then uh, I met so many promoters. Uh, Billy Anderson from California. He was from Slammer's Gym. He wanted me out there. There's a lot of people. Then Debbie Combs, she was there. And, uh, oh, Adrian Street also wanted me to go to Florida to train with him. But then Debbie Combs, who wrestled for Sam, said, hey, you need to go to this school that's starting up. So I went there. And I started wrestling there and training with Sam. And that's where it all started for me. That's awesome. You know, all the great people that have ever been part of Windy City Wrestling, and I can remember a lot of guys, and I'll run some names by in a little bit. My first and only in-person Windy City Wrestling show was Battle of the Belts 1 at the International Amphitheater on Halsted Street in Chicago on May 18th, 1991. And you, Mike Anthony, defended the WCW lightweight title against one Trevor Blanchard, a former Windy City Slam podcast guest as well. So what do you remember from that day? From that day, I just remember being excited because that was my first time in the amphitheater. And that's the place I had been when I was a kid watching wrestling. And I was just so excited. And it was me and Trevor had a good match. Me and, Russ, me and Trevor always had great matches together. And that night was was really special. Then, then wrestling in front of that big crowd because it was always sold out. It was just, just great. Then as the years progressed, the crowds got bigger and bigger in that place and just made everything more special. Yeah, I remember watching on Sports Vision and then sometimes on the local access channel, Showcase Chicago, Channel 25. You guys were on all the time. I mean, obviously, um, leading up to that show, then my dad's, we were watching Windy City during the week, probably a couple months before Battle of the Belts, and we were watching the hype for it. My dad ended up buying tickets for me, my mom, and himself. We ended up going to that show. And some of the names on that show, just the star-studded lineup. You had the genius Lanny Poffo with his father, Angelo, in his corner against the former Olympian, Ken Patera. And then he had Screamer, Brute, and Sonny Rogers in a six-man tag against a who's who of Windy City and Iron Mike Sampson, Gigolo Johnny Mercedes, and Zebra Kid. And then he had Casey Knight defending the middleweight title against Captain Fantastic. And here's a guy I remember from my youth, Frank the Tank Melson defending yes. the heavyweight title against Ron Powers. And this main event was absolutely crazy. It was tag team warfare, the untouchables, Buster and Ice against the Max brothers, Mad Max and Super Max. And yeah, that was the night of the big brawl. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And there, we had to, everybody had to run the whole locker room. We had to go in and break them up. Yeah. That was, that was fun. Yep. I was 16 years old at that point, just finishing up my sophomore year at St. Lawrence High School. So I, I really dug what you guys did and watched Windy City for several more years after that. And I do remember that as being one of the most enjoyable wrestling moments ever. And I still have the original program uh, from that show. And it's in great condition. It's it's crazy how awesome this looks uh, 32 years or so later. Uh, I still got mine. <laughs> I still have my program. <laughs> Yeah, uh, competing with a lot of those different names I just threw out there. I mean, legends in Chicagoland wrestling, Iron Mike Sampson, Frank the Tank Melson. Those are guys, like I said, I grew up with watching. Yeah, now Iron Mike, me and Iron Mike, well, like I said, for one, for me competing against them guys when I first started, and we all grew together, and we all became, you know, real professional wrestlers. And it was great. I miss all them guys. 
Now, Sam DeCero, uh, what kind of trainer was Sam? Oh, Sam was hard. Sam was hard on us. Like, we, we well, that, that was, if you ask any wrestler that I was talking about the Windy City Way, and that, you know, a lot of guys there, they'll say, oh, we heard about the Windy City Way. Well, the Windy City Way was, it was more, we actually hit each other. And that, you know, we didn't hit each other, hurt each other. It was all through sport now, but, but we actually hit each other. We did everything we had to to, we hurt each other. And, that, and that's the Windy City Way. It's more of a strong style. I'll say that. Sam wrestled at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. He wrestled with New Japan and All Japan. He brought that his philosophy over there. He brought that over to Windy City, and that's the way we did it. We did it their way, you know, the Japanese way. Yeah, the strong style way. You you don't you don't hold back. You just go at it. No, no, you just we just crack each other. You know, then we say our sorries or whatever in the back. <laughs> you know, yeah, we kind of talked a little bit before we went on the air about. And uh, how you had the amateur background and stuff like that. And then early in your career, maybe you were kind of veered away from that a little bit and, you know, kind of more of a high, like a little more of a reckless type of thing, high spot monkey type thing. But then you had some veteran guys that kind of pulled you aside. Could you tell me that story a little bit? Yeah, I used to be, I used to do backflips. I used to do all kinds of stuff. And then all the guys, like like, like the guys you mentioned, Kevin Terry used to tell me, Greg Valentine told me, all these guys pulled me to the side and said, hey, kid. They said, uh, I was in my early 20s, so I didn't listen to anybody. But they're like, hey, kid, you have this amateur background, this wrestling background. Use more of your wrestling than this high-flying stuff. He said, because you keep doing that, you're not going to last long in this business. And uh, we had a show. It was 1994, but that's the, when I had the surgery. It was 1994. I did something off the ropes, and I came down, and I landed around. There was a divot in the ring. The, the boards were overlapped in the ring. It wasn't set up right. And my, my foot hit it, and I shattered my knee. I actually shattered it in half. I tore the I tore the MCL, ruptured the ACL, and all the ligaments were torn in my knee. So I had to have surgery right away. And that's when I said, you know what? I said, these guys are right. You know, and I'm in my head thinking, these guys are old. You know, they can't do what I do. So they're just telling me, because I was chiming them. But that wasn't it at all. They, were, they knew what they were talking about. So after that, I started listening to the veterans more. Yeah, sometimes the best advice uh, someone can give you is shut up and listen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you learn. You learn. (laughs) (laughs) And now you had quite the accomplishment in Windy City, winning multiple titles. The former lightweight Mm -hmm. champion, the former league champion, former tag team champion with the great Steve Boz, and former heavyweight champion after beating the legendary Iron Mike Sampson. So what was it like to win all those titles over the years? Actually, I'm the only one in Windy that was in Windy City that won all the belts, which was actually seven total, and I've won them all multiple times. It's not just one time. Mm-hmm. And then altogether, I've won 13 championships, but 29 title reigns. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's all seven Windy City belts. I'm the only one to ever hold all those. And that to me, that's a big accomplishment. So the day you ended up beating Iron Mike Sampson to win that uh, heavyweight championship, what was that like for you? Because that's like the cream of the crop. That's the top of the company, basically. Actually, I won the I won the middleweight belt the night before, and and uh, Sam told me if I because there was a, there was a clause in there because I had Iron Mike Sampson the next night. There was a clause in there that said if I had won the middleweight belt, there's no way I could go for the heavyweight belt. I had to stay at the middleweight division. So I had won the belt. That's one of my title reigns as middleweight. Mm-hmm. I won the belt, and then I gave it up that night. I gave the title back, and then I said I want the heavyweight. Then the next night I went in and I won the heavyweight. That's interesting. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty special. 
kind of like back in the day where Ultimate Warrior was the Intercontinental Champion, and then he beat Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship, and he gave up the Intercontinental Championship upon uh, winning that WWF Championship. Kind of very similar. Yeah, very similar, except I couldn't keep the belt. I couldn't go in there as champion. I had to give the belt up that night, or I had to make a decision right there. Did I want to be the middleweight champion, or did I want to be heavyweight champion? Okay, so... Uh, when I was heavyweight champion, and I held that for two and a half years. So if you had lost against Samson that night, you would be out of the middleweight championship as yeah, well. Yeah, I wouldn't have had anything. Oh, okay. So it's like you put up almost like in impact wrestling, TNA, where uh, I think you could give up a, a title to get a world title shot there, right? Something like oh. that. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Hardly ever watch wrestling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so many greats that I've already mentioned that you went through in Windy City. And then there's other guys too, the Turbo and Jason Rain and the Mansons, Jimmy Blaze or Firefighter Jim, Acid Jazz, and even Christopher Daniels. And you even got to defend that Windy City Wrestling Heavyweight Championship against the great Bob Backlund and defeated him both times. Well, me and Bob, we have a history, too, because when I went into pro wrestling, I had to have to make the transition from amateur to pro. And Mike Gratchner, who was a vice president of Winnie City, Bob Athens is best friend. Oh, wow. And people don't know it. People don't know this. But whenever Bob had title defenses or he went to Japan or he did whatever, Mike's the only one, only photographer that he would allow in the locker room to take his pictures. And that So Mike traveled with him, did whatever. Well, Mike got a hold of Bob. Bob came in and helped me with my transition from amateurs to pro because Bob's a NCAA champion. Yes. Wrestling champion. So he helped me with my transition. And then we, uh, later on, we, you know, he started doing shows for Windy City. Then we just ended up wrestling each other. And that was, that was, there was a great experience. You know, I was like nervous because that was my teacher. And then uh, we had a show at Morton College, a huge show. I remember the ring broke, the cables underneath, the ring broke. So the ring, we couldn't use the ring ropes. Sam comes in and tells me in the locker room, then tells Bob, he, he said, I need to talk to both of you guys out here. So we both went out there, and he tells us, he goes, you guys can't use the ring ropes, if you know, for nothing. He goes, they're, they're loose and they're whatever. He goes, there's no way you guys can. It happened to match right before ours. So we're like, okay. And then he goes, is that okay? And me and Bob looked at each other. We're like, it's fine. So we went out there. We wrestled. We didn't even need the ropes. We just went out there and grappled, and we did whatever, beat each other up. We didn't even need the ropes. Yeah, your amateur style uh, wrestling, you know, bouncing off the ropes or anything like that. No Irish whips or anything like that. No, no, no. <laughs> and you guys, I know, can probably just pull that off knowing your style. Oh, yeah. Like I said, we didn't need it. We just stayed in the middle of the ring and we went and we we, we punched and kicked and then we did whatever. And but we grappled a lot. And that was that was that was a big moment for me to wrestle up against Bob Backlund in that style. And speaking of WWE, you even got to work a couple of WWE shows. And there's at least on cage match, there's at least two matches from Shotgun Saturday Night, including a tag match with Steve Boz against the duo uh, Bradshaw and Taka Michinoku. Uh, we had that was uh, me and Steve's first night. And uh, there's a big story with that because that was our tryout match. So they so Jim Cornette is the one that actually brought us in. Oh, okay. That, well, the story goes D'Lo Brown used to produce, he's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And D'Lo used to practice at the Windy City School, and he would only practice with me and Steve because we're, you know, we're at that level. So we got tapes together, and he said, he told us, he goes, I'm going to take these tapes over because I'm going to tape you guys because I'm going to take them to Jim Cornette. We're like, okay. Well, we get a call from Jim Cornette to come up, you know, in there. I forgot, I even forgot where that was. But we went, they told us what we were going to do, and they said, since this is your guys' tryout match, you guys do all your moves and stuff with Taka. He goes, and then they said, Ponder Bradshaw, he goes, he'll take Bradshaw. 
bash out Ethan and finish it. Jim Cornette walked away and goes, goes, you guys get one move. And we're like, what? He goes, you get one move. And then Taka started apologizing to us because he walked away. And Steve's like, Steve asked me, he goes, should we go say something? I'm like, no. I said, because we're in a ring with this big dude. He goes, we're going to get jacked up if we do. You know, we, and so we just left it the way he wanted it. And we did it. And it's funny because actually I kicked out of it on the three count too on purpose. Yeah. If you look at it, I put my shoulder up on purpose. You know, yeah, you I actually watched this on YouTube uh, last night, checking it out. Yeah, it's on there. Yeah, and I kicked out. It was like, or he Brad, wasn't going to pin me. Bradshaw had Taka up, threw Taka on you, and then you actually kicked out of it too. Like, oh, that's interesting. But at the same time, it didn't look like it could have finished. It was kind of a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of a lighter press than like more of kind of a slam on you. So like, yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of made sense that you kicked out of it, but. <laughs> yeah, but then he, uh, yeah, but then we did the match. Then we get to the back. And me and Steve were upset. It's funny because that's when we got the locker room came to us because they all knew what how Bradshaw was. And, you know, he was excuse my language, but he was an ass. You know, and he and I guess he does he did that to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so Jim Cornette comes up to us and tells us, "Don't worry about it. You guys did great." Blah blah blah. And then he goes, and we and Steve ended up working for him for three years. You know, but they they knew what happened. They even like Steve went to the locker room. I sat down. And then Stone Cold was the first one that came over to me. He's like, hey, brother, don't worry about it. You guys are great. And then Hawk and Animal come over because Hawk actually wrestled at Windy City for us. You know, did a couple of shows. So he was he was mad about it because he knew us personally. So he was really mad. But uh, they just said, don't worry about it. You know, everything's fine. Everything will be fine. And, yeah, it turned out fine. And me and Steve worked for him from 97 to 2000. Yeah, I believe the match we were just talking about was at Rockford. Was that where it was at? Yeah, Metro Center. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of cool that you got to do a little bit of it. Like, it was mostly enhancement work, I would assume, right, over those few years for TV? We did a lot, but then we did some shows where where we did we just had great matches. There's one where we had we had match of the night, but they never showed it on television. Me and Steve were mad. It was against, us against the Bariquas. Man, we went back and forth, back and forth, and then it was just, man, that, that was a good match. I'll just say that. A lot of memories from that one. Yeah, dark matches or matches that weren't even yeah. or live live event matches even. You guys do live events for them all or just TV stuff? We did TV stuff for them. Okay, gotcha. And you had the opportunity to see Vic Capri get inducted into the Chicago mm-hmm. Star Wrestling Hall of Fame a few weeks ago. And Vic is just phenomenal. I love watching him work. And he just turned 50 years old, but he looks like he could still go and carry a promotion if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. That's my, that's my little brother. <laughs> We're tag team champions together at Windy City. And uh, Vic is actually one of my students because I was actually a head trainer at Windy City for 15 years. Oh, okay. Uh, so there's a lot of guys that you see that were actually trained by me or they were trained by somebody that I trained. Uh, so I call them my babies and my grandbabies. <laughs> I mean, Vic is a guy. I mean, I can watch his matches just. On oh, old. yeah. Vic's, Vic's phenomenal. Yep. He's phenomenal. He's a Love great Vic. guy, too. Yeah. And he's got very humble. He is. He really is. You you watch him from afar, and you actually walk up to him at a show. Like, the first time I ever met Vic, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a little nervous here. He's got this resting Vic face, as he calls it. Yeah. You go up to the guy, I'm like, oh, my God, he's so warm and, and welcoming and talkative, and he wouldn't know it, but, oh, wow. He's, no, he's that's why I say he's very humble, and he's just, you know, he's always been that way. He hasn't changed one bit. He's got that intense look when he's in the ring, but outside the ring, he's like a teddy bear. Yeah. I keep my same look all the time. <laughs> now, to go back a little bit on being the head trainer at Windy City, so what was that like, and who were some of the guys you ended up training? Oh, geez. I had uh, Willie the Bomb. I said Vic. Mm-hmm. Who else came through? Marche. 
Marche Rocket, mm-hmm. Trey Marche. Uh, geez, there's like so many guys. You know, I'm trying to think of who's still doing it. But, yeah, there's just so many guys. They have Mitch Blake, uh, his partner. And then, Jesus, uh, so many. In 15 years, there was like so many guys that came through. I mean, like a who's who, guys who work for Powell, guys who work for uh, CSW, yeah. PWI even, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, people could point to Windy City as where they got their start. Oh, yeah. It's funny, too, because uh, for me being the head trainer, when I was wrestling for Galley Lucha Libre, there was a few guys that came through. But they would always say they were trained at Windy City so that they can get in the door. But they didn't know I was there. Uh-huh. So so Carlos from Galley, the promoter, he would come and get me. And he would say, oh, hold on, we'll go we'll get somebody. He goes, I got Mike Anthony in the back. He'll see. He'll let us know if you were really trained. We get there and they'll be gone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's funny. And, yeah, you mentioned Galley. I was going to get into that a little bit, too. You worked quite a bit for Galley Lucha Libre in the later part of your career. So what was it like working over there? Uh, it was fun. Actually, Carlos brought me in. It's it crazy because they got I got the moniker in the Lucha Libre thing. They had the Lucha Libre time, uh, people, they call me the Mexicutioner. <laughs> Carlos, yeah. Carlos brought me in to beat up on the Mexican guys to humble them. And that, and that was actually what I did for a lot of promotions back in the day. But he brought me in to, to humble them. And so that's where I got my moniker, the, the Mexicutioner. Yeah, but it was fun because I was learning a new style. And then, you know, this is why I was telling you earlier about evolving. That was like that was a new style, so I was like, "Oh, I can do this," you know. So I learned how to do a few lucha things and whatever. But it was, yeah, it was it was great. They also did a little bit of work with ARW at that point as well. What was that like? ARW is more; they were old school, and I loved it. And then I was tag team champion there too, and that with uh with Ivan Manson, mm-hmm. and uh, which is another one of my students, by the way. <laughs> but me and him, we we were tag champs for a while, for about a year and a half. And yeah, it was, uh, they're more old school, which I loved. I love that. And then you had gone ahead and kind of retired, kind of stepped away from wrestling, but you started uh, working out a little bit with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So what called you to that? I just, I knew my career was over and you know, it was about to be over because a lot of people don't understand is that I was, they, they say, you can still go. He goes, why are you retiring? I said, because I always said, number one, I always said when I turned 50, I was over with. And then, uh, but there's little subtle things I was noticing that I was starting to slip on, you know, like I wasn't bumping right. I wasn't doing this right. I wasn't doing that right. So it's like little things that I noticed that other people didn't. And they did. That's when I decided I was going to be done. But then I wanted something where I could still have my grappling and, you know, that, so that's where jujitsu comes in. And then that's what I had. That's my crutch from my transition from pro wrestling to that was my thing. Just so I could still keep wrestling and keep grappling kind of craving that physicality that you were losing with the pro wrestling side oh yeah i've been doing it all my life so it's like if i don't have that it's like i get i get irritated <laughs> you know i do i get irritated if i don't get hit or if I, if I don't have that and you were away from the ring for a few years and you end up coming back just a few months ago for all-star lucha libre based out of the bruin eagles club so what moved you to come back that was supposed to be a one and done actually because uh <laughs> The promoter, his son, they, they all, his his two sons and himself, they wrestled for with me at Galley. Mm-hmm. And when his son was a kid, he'd go in the ring and I'd show him a couple things. Or, but he was he wanted to know more of like holds. So he wanted to know how do you do this hold? How do you do this hold? Or he goes, how do you how would you set somebody up for this? And then I would show him you know different holds. And then uh, now that he's older, he's actually wrestling down in Mexico for Big Lucha. He's a he's a huge star down there, by the way. He told his dad to get a hold of me. 
and want to know if I would do a match with him because he always wanted to work with me. So I told him, yes, yeah, I'll do it. So my friend September, yeah, September I went in for the first time. Well, he ended up hurting his leg down in Mexico, and he still hurt to this moment. But he, his leg is hurting in Mexico. So when I got there, they, they got me a different opponent and had me go. The next month, same thing. He was still hurt. He got me another opponent. You know, and I went. So this last time, again, he's still down there, and he's doing it. So I'm the, my thing on the mic is, where are you at? I come out of retirement for this. You go, where are you at? <laughs> you know, let's get this over with. Is that uh, Atomico Jr.? Yes. And all they have Atomico Jr., Atomico runs it, right? Yeah. Okay. And All-Star also has guys like GPA, Lanny Luck, and I believe Tully Burrelli was who you wrestled a few months ago, right? Yes. Yeah, and then uh, obviously the legendary Sky Aiden and various others, too. Yeah. Seems like a fun little promotion there, and uh, Lucha Libre in Chicago is kind of a big thing. Yeah, it's become big. You know, at one point, I was I have a newspaper article where I was the only his I was one of the only Hispanic wrestlers trained in Chicago, you know, doing lucha libre and wrestling. And also coming up on uh, Saturday, December the ninth at Berwyn Eagles Club, also lucha libre is having a charity show and a toy drive. You had told me that you won't be there, but All Star. Lucha Libre is going to have this great toy drive. And like I said, I just mentioned some of the talent that has worked for them previously and uh, expect some of those uh, people to be there again. So what's it like to be part of that all-star Lucha Libre promotion? Well, actually, it's fun because it's it's actually the wrestlers that we're the ones running it, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they ask for our input. They ask for what we want to do. And if we're not comfortable with something, they're comfortable with letting you know us just make our own decisions. And it, that's great. I've never been somewhere where they did that. It's always whatever the promoter said, and that was that. So it's not micromanaged in any way? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Who have you wrestled there so far? And I mentioned Tully Bertarelli. Who else have you been in the ring with since you came back to work for them? Uh, Mike Strong. Okay, yeah. So Mike Strong had a great match with Mike Strong. And then this last one I had uh, Tyler. Damien Tyler? Damien Tyler, Tyler, yeah. I wrestled Damien Tyler. Mm Mm-hmm which is another one of my students. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Strong, amazing guy. Uh, kind of reminds oh, me. Oh, God, he can move for a big guy. Yeah, uh, kind oh, of a poor man's Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, my God, he's, he had a, uh, in a match, he slammed me, then he stood next to me, he did a backflip on top of me. I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy can move. And he was fast. He was really fast. Yeah. I really I like watching him work. Yep. Yeah, I actually had to step it up a little bit. <laughs> You're in your late 50s now, so what is your future with wrestling? Are you going to continue to work occasionally with Austin Lucha Libre or have any other opportunity that might come up, or are you just kind of like take it as it goes? Actually, right now I'm just taking it as it goes because I'm looking forward to the match with, with Junior, okay. you know, Tomoko Junior. And then February 17th, I have a match with uh, Wildman Beast. I'm doing a show with him. It's his retirement match. And they asked me, well, he asked too if I would do the sh- you know, do the show with him. I said I'd do it. And that's for uh Square Circle Megastars. Oh, okay. Yeah, back at the Berwyn Eagles Club. Yep, that's yeah, the same place. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be February 17th. Yeah, I'll see where it goes from there. Yep. All right. Before we let you go, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you one more kind of uh offbeat question here. So you were at the KISS concert at All State Arena recently, no. <laughs> correct? <laughs> yeah. So my question is to you, what did you think of the KISS theme in WCW? Nah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> Little gimmicks like that. I, I don't. I don't pay attention to gimmicks like that. Okay. I'm more of the old school type, but stuff like that. Now, 
Yeah, so along the lines of like a, a wrestling plumber or stuff like that, that, that stuff you don't like to, you don't care about. Yeah, no, I don't like the, I don't like the gimmicks like that. You the know, cartoony stuff. So yeah, like Van Hammer, if you remember Van Hammer. Yes, the guy with the guitar. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, Mike, before we let you go, Go ahead and promote your social media if you have any merchandise at all and uh, any up other upcoming events. All right. Well, you can you can get a hold of me at Mike Anthony. It's a fan page on on Facebook, mm-hmm. and then I have uh, Mike Anthony Bally, my real name. That's my Facebook, uh, my actual Facebook page, and then on Instagram is at Russell. All right, Mike. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I was excited. It's about time. <laughs> Great talking to Mike Anthony, definitely a part of my childhood in Chicagoland wrestling as I did attend Windy City Wrestling's Battle of the Belts 1. I saw Mike Anthony that night take on Trevor Blanchard. So many great memories of watching Windy City Wrestling on local television and awesome to talk to a legend like Mike Anthony. All right, next week, we're going to take a spin around the Chicagoland independent scene, talk a little bit about NXT Deadline, and welcome in someone who recently made the transition from MMA into pro wrestling, Southland Championship Wrestling Prospect, Apex. You can catch all that right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.